Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons. And joining me today, as he's been doing a lot this offseason, Mr. Kenneth Weber of Purple Row. What's up, buddy? Not too much, man. I'm like a plague. You guys just can't get rid of me. We can't. We can't. We've got a lot to uh, cover today on the live show. And uh, some Rockies news. Good news, I think, because the Hall of Fame ballot did come out for 2024. Three Rockies names are on there. Can you identify them? Probably two, most folks out there. Uh, there's been a couple of transactions with starting pitchers, almost exclusively by the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's been doing a lot of things. We're going to jam-pack a lot of stuff in, as well as maybe some new rules coming for 2024. But yesterday was the day that the 2024 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot was released. And, of course, Todd Helton on there once again, 11 votes shy of getting that 75% and getting enshrined into Cooperstown. He gets in this year, right? He has to. Yeah. I mean, he, he just it's has to. You don't ever get this close unless you have a full, like, Kurt Schilling collapse um, <laughs> without getting in. So it, it's his time. It really feels like it's his year. The question is not if he gets in because, yeah, it's it's kind of a formality, mm-hmm. right? It's a formality. He'll get those 11 votes. And, in fact, historically speaking, anyone that has gotten that close to 75% has eventually gotten in. Only one person didn't get in through the BBWIA. That was Jim Bunning. He mm-hmm. got in through a veterans committee. But even still, that almost guarantees he'll get in at some point in our lives, oh, hopefully in his Thinking. life too. Yeah. But it'll be this year. <laughs> the real question is, is he does he become the third Rocky to be elected to the Hall of Fame? Third, of course, after Larry Walker mm-hmm. and after Veterans Committee, uh, uh, Veterans Committee ballot uh, nominee Jim Leland. Yep, is he number three? I think so. Oh, I wow. think I, it's kind of hard not to get Leland in there, even though you know calling him a Rocky is pretty generous. Um, you know. But yeah, I think Leland's in, and then I think it's Helton's year too. So we waited very long for the Hall of Fame to happen for the Rockies, and now we're knocking it out, what, three and four years? Yeah. Not bad. That's a decent rate. Every team has those kind of guys. Like, no one's talking about the great Devil Rays players of all time and going, well, Fred McGriff, Hall of Famer Fred McGriff. Wade Boggs. And like, oh, what's the death chart of the Dodgers' uh, greatest players at, at first base all time? Fred McGriff. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like, okay, yeah, they they played there. Eddie Murray also. Yep. Um, but all right, look, that that gives the Rockies three. Yeah. And that is the magic number because there are three Rockies on this ballot. Todd Helton, right, and then right uh below him is Matt Holiday. And then the third, Jose Reyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's gonna in that Jim Leland category, though, of former <laughs> yeah. Rockies. Who whose uniform comes to mind when you think of Fred McGriff, though? Fred Just McGriff. Curious. Probably Atlanta. Yeah, I'd say Atlanta. I think so. He's wearing a couple of different caps, though. I mean, I could, you could see him as a Blue Jay. You could see him as a Padre. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of Braves, too. But it's an interesting case for one of those Cooperstown plaques kind of thing. It, if he'll ever get in, I don't think he will, but he should. Jose Reyes? Yeah, yeah I don't. No, definitely, no, no, and definitely not with the Rockies. Can I cap. ask a question? Yeah, yeah. So why, because no other Hall of Fame, you have to go in with a specific team. It's just the Baseball Hall mm-hmm. of Fame because mm-hmm. of the cap thing. Yep. So, like, why, yeah. do, why do they do it that way? Because, like, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, like, they're not going to make Peyton Manning choose whether to be a Colt or a Bronco. Like, <laughs> no. You're not going to put yeah. a helmet yeah. on him yeah, and yeah. block his face. Exactly. So, like, I'm just so curious why That's they do question. that in baseball. Yeah. So, uh, I, I would I would uh, make an assumption to it in degree. Like, when the first Hall of Fame class when it, now, first off, guys can go in with nothing on their cap, too. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's that's also, like, an option if you've been around on a bunch of different teams and you kind of don't feel tethered towards one of them. Um, but if you think back to the 1930s when the Hall of Fame first opened up, 
there was no free agency. No. Guys didn't play on other teams. It wasn't until the 70s that you could become a free agent. So you just were kind of owned by your team and that was it. And it was kind of rare to get traded or um, to somehow beco- all, really. become a free agent. And yeah. yeah, so there was a rare few. So it was just kind of this foregone conclusion of like, no, yeah, you played with one team your whole career because that's the that's the system that we have set up so yeah. that you can't go anywhere else and you have to accept what we offer you as a contract. So yeah, you're going to put that 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 cap on and also i'm sure there's probably some hall of famers back in the day going hey i was bald can we not maybe do that i want to wear a cap on mine is that okay yeah yeah no that makes sense i mean basically they're showing their property and players didn't move unless they were basically sold to another team yeah so it kind of makes sense who was it who went in with the blank cap recently was it uh was it mike messina was it messina no i think he was a yankee well, he he's, was like a perfect split between uh, was. between Baltimore and, and, and the Yankees there. I think it was somebody fairly recent. I want to say it was Suter. Look uh, it up. The, yeah. the thing that I think, you know, we might get to at, at some point, at, probably not, but, you know, it would have been fun to have Ken Griffey Jr. with a backwards cap on, yeah, of course. Yeah, would have been fun. Uh, it would also be fun, like, if on a plaque you could have a guy wearing a pair of glasses, right, or wearing some shady rays. And, and I imagine, you know, if you want to nice. look like a guy on a plaque, a bronze plaque wearing a pair of Shady Ray sunglasses. You could buy one and get one free when you use promo code DNVR. Five stars by over a quarter of a million people online. They got the broken replacement policy, so if you lose or break them, even if it's on day one that you get them in the mail, that happens. Accidents happen. People are, some folks are more accident prone. Mm -hmm. Don't feel bad. They've got your back. Use promo code DNVR. Buy one, get one free. It's amazing. Go down to the Park Meadows Mall as well and try them on if you need to. And uh, go ahead and, and try on a little healthier bread with Hero Bread. They got a, they have amazing sliced breads. They've got tortillas as well. They've been sold on Amazon for a while. Um, but now you want to go to hero.co, hero.co, and get 10% off with your first order when you use code DNVR. Uh, it tastes great, but for me, I kind of love the nutritional benefits. Sometimes I'll go with the high fiber route. Sometimes the ultra low net carbs. There's also a zero sugar that I've tried that is really delicious. So check them out. Hero bread, H E R O dot C O. Was it Mike Messina? It was. And Roy Halliday. Roy Halliday. There you go. Yeah. Yes. You're on it, Patrick. That's it. Yeah. Billy Wagner is on, uh, is on his ninth, ninth go around. Gary Sheffield is on his, his final one. I just said mm-hmm. today in our diehard only discord, this idea that, you know, the, the steroid era essentially, uh, ended when Matt holiday started his career. And yet Matt holiday still has to deal with those ramifications. These guys that are on ballots for a very long time, yep. you know, Sheffield, a rod, Manny Ramirez, those guys are still around. And so now if you vote for them, then, those are three less guys that you could you could vote on. It's, it's one of the reasons why you go back and look, and there are players like Kenny Lofton <clears throat> never got 5% of the vote. Someone that you might not think is a Hall of Famer but is in the Hall of Very Good, Lance Berkman, yep. whose numbers are kind of similar to Matt Holiday. You go, he never made a second ballot. What chance does a guy like Matt Holiday have? And again, Holiday, unfortunately, you know, is, is kind of punished because of the steroid era. Yeah, and that's been a problem for a lot of different guys, and it's just it's been a logjam that's been going on for two decades now, essentially. And... Um, it, yeah. it is it is unfair to somebody like Kenny Lofton because okay if they're not a Hall of Famer it's still being on the ballot and being in that conversation for ten years and something yeah yes. can change over time. That's right. Todd Helton if he wasn't through that first round would probably never get in. I mean so like yeah. the Veterans Committee and uh, they have these kind of you know post mortems for the ballot where it can get guys in that fall through the cracks and maybe that's the hope for somebody like Lofton. Mm-hmm. But there's too many guys falling through the cracks with the way that the ballot is right now. And 
you know, maybe just the the ten year term is kind of egregious in the first place, honestly. But um, it doesn't bear well for Holiday. I'll say that just because yeah. we've seen kind of a precedent set with some other guys that have similar great careers too, and they need to have more consideration. And that five percent rule just knocks them out right away. Yeah, those guys that are in the hall of very good, and and some of them. I mean, like again, you look at Larry Walker, you say, well, he's in the hall of very good. Mm-hmm. He's also in the hall of fame. Yep. But if you're in the hall of very good. There are other guys that might be ahead of you in line, and you might say, "Well, wait a minute. If Lance Berkman's not in, mm-hmm. could you know Matt Holland?" And again, they have different different you know conversations around those guys. Sure, um, but they're very kind of similar careers. Eric in the chat, happy Thanksgiving to you, Eric Simmons. Yes, yeah, sir. Helton, he's going to get in. This is the year. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to. God forbid something crazy happens, and all yeah. of a sudden voters are like, "Oh, you know, get a PR nightmare kind of situation." Which outside of that, again, he'll he'll get that boost. And, and as you said, like. You stay on the ballot, there's a conversation that can be had and more people pay attention and and realize what's going on. It's where, you know, if, if you had to redo uh, a lot of the different MVP, you know, uh, races in, in years past, mm-hmm. people would say, well, actually, Matt Holliday was probably more deserving in 2007. Or Troy Tulowitzki, you would give him the Rookie of the Year award. Or Nolan Jones might finish higher than fourth if you really start to pay attention to things a little bit more. And, and by being on the ballot... That definitely helps things out, you know, uh, a lot more. Now, you wrote a recently uh, a really good article because we've been talking a lot about these uh, these different players that the the Rockies could possibly uh, end up signing. Two more did come off the board in the last twenty four hours. Lance Lynn uh, was signed on Monday by the Cardinals. I think he got ten million. Mm-hmm. Kyle Gibson did he get fifteen. Uh, was it twelve? Kyle Gibson kind of has a Jordan Lyles career earnings that blows your mind a little bit. Yeah, um, I want to say he was in fifteen range though. Which is a lot, I feel like. And again, I think the Cardinals are just being really aggressive right now yeah. to fortify their rotation. I still think at the end of the offseason, you know, come come mid-January, essentially, we'll still have a month until pitchers and catchers report. But by mid-January, you you want your clients to be, you know, on a team. I, I think that that price will go down. But yes. I so I don't think that the like basically number four, number five inning eater role mm-hmm. is going to continue to, you know, get that kind of money annually. But uh, if if it does, then man, shoot! Even a guy like Michael Lorenzen and, and yeah. some of those lower tier options almost become too rich for the Rockies' blood because you got to think those guys are going to get somewhere similar and get two or three years because they're a little bit younger as well. Yeah, and so when it comes to the old cliche of there's no such thing as a bad one year deal, yeah. I mean that's kind of what the Cardinals are leaning into, and it just shows the price of innings. Really, right. more than anything. And so, Lance Lynn, there's a little bit of sentimentality, I think, really baked into that deal with the Cardinals. They want to bring their guy home a little bit on the tail end of his career. But um, if you want to attract somebody like Lorenzo, if you want to attract somebody who has that middle of the rotation um, you know, caliber, it's probably going to have to be a multi-year pack is really what we're yeah. seeing. And so maybe there can be a little bit of sacrifice for that AAV. You're not doing it over one year, and so you're not handing out 15. But the Rockies are still going to have to pony up a decent price. Uh, for somebody to eat those innings. And it's fair to question if they would be willing to do that, especially for somebody that's not kind of a higher caliber starter. Yeah, it's true. I know uh, the the trade market is going to be, you know, really hot this offseason. Yeah. Dodgers apparently are kicking the tires on Dylan Cease. But uh, that's going to so, be an interesting one. That would be. Cease, he might be. And he only has one more fish. year. Yeah. Until free agency. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they would want to lock him up or maybe they just know they can get a good deal uh, with, the, with what the White Sox have been giving up lately. Yeah. But you had a really good article <clears> about. A guy who could be a trade fit uh, last week, and then it was kind of later confirmed uh, later on in the week that, yeah, the Blue Jays, Alec Manoa, mm-hmm. that's a good buy-low candidate for a guy who 
is going to be under you know team control for a while. A big bodied guy, so you're you look husky. at him and husky you, boy, yeah, and you go, he has the frame of a guy that's going to you know be able to make at least twenty five starts each and every year yeah. and, and get you know one hundred eighty plus innings or what have you. So. Um, buying when it's low could be really good. What are your thoughts on an Alec Manoa trade? Well, it's funny we bring up Lance Lynn because he was kind yeah. of that 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 dude um, where you could tell that durability wasn't as much of a question with him. Um, it, Alec Manoa is a very interesting case only because if you're the Blue Jays and if you're any team typically and you have a guy that was two years of you know teetering on that elite level and then all of a sudden he drops off a cliff, do you really want to sell low on somebody like that? Typically not, but you also have to consider the state that the Blue Jays are in right now, right? They have a pretty deep rotation, all things mm-hmm. considered, you know, headlined by Gossman and Barrios, and then they have some holes to fill around their their roster. Probably might be losing Chapman, you know, second base is kind of up in the air with them a little bit, but their time is now to win. So do they have the patience to let a Manoa figure it out, or could they utilize somebody like that to help reinforce the rest of their roster? So it's a very unique situation that the Rockies could be players in. And then when you're considering where the Rockies are at as a franchise, this is exactly the time to start giving a chance to guys. And so mm-hmm. he wouldn't come extremely cheap. You know, we're not talking about Michael Tolia for Alec Manoa straight up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But if you want to acquire controllable starting pitching with top of the rotation upside, that doesn't come around very often. And this might be the opportunity to go out and acquire somebody. And if you can correct him a little bit, if you can get him back on track, then you could really hit it big. And now you're talking about being able to have a headliner complemented by Herman Marquez in 2025, Antonio Sensatella and Kyle Freeland. That really helps line up this team to be more competitive when those younger guys start coming through. The only thing too, I mean, all reports say that there's no structural damage in that shoulder. Same thing was kind of going on with Kyle Wright the entire time, and now he just went under the knife. So, yeah. you know, it's it's scary, and that's the risk that comes with it. But those are the kind of swings that the Rockies could take to really get themselves back on track. And seeing Kyle Wright being dealt, by the way, kind of bumps me out. Didn't know that he was out there on the market. That would have been a really good one for the Rockies to try to see. Former seize. 20 game winner, right? Dude's talented, and he's a Vandy yeah. guy. Like, he never really quite got there with Atlanta except for in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, name was always out there. Stuff was always there. You know, Manoa could be the same thing if they, if they want to pull the trigger and if uh, Toronto's looking to move on. Yeah, d- definitely not uh, not a bad name to... To kick the tires on a little bit, and as you said, second base is open with with Merrifield now a free agent. Davis Schneider was really good. Uh, you know, do, do you believe? Fun. Do you believe the final month of the season of of him? You know, I don't know, but I think if you said Alec Manoa, Brendan Rodgers, I think you've got a starting point there I, yep. to kind of go back and forth a little bit and say, all right, well, we you need pitching. Like that's the thing is. I think there's enough guys, enough bats that are either on the roster right now or that will be coming up that you can say, okay, that is that is a is contender worthy. You don't yep. even have to say, oh, does Zach Veen become a multi-time all-star? Will Jordan Beck do that? Yankee Fernandez, all, all those guys. They don't even necessarily have to because no. you've got enough of those pieces. But if you've got no starting rotation, you have no shot. So you may have to take a risk and do something like that and, and trade maybe a Brendan Rodgers for an Alec Manoa. Well, even take the blueprint of what uh, the Blue Jays had going on. You know, it was able to get um, kind of rounded into form with the George Springer signing. But you had mm-hmm. Vladdy, you had Bichette, you had a couple of different bats that were on the way and were those young potential. You needed to reinforce it with pitching a little bit. They had the luxury of being able to go out and sign Gossman, 
But when it really came push to shove, they went out and traded for Jose Barrios. Mm-hmm. They gave up a top pick in it in um, Austin Martin. Arson, thank you, Austin Martin. Um, they took that big swing though to yeah. acquire a guy, and then they also you know paid him and and locked him up because that's their window of contention. Exactly, that's what you do. But they signed up for a multi-year pack to help reinforce the pitching with the young hitting that they already had in place. If the Rockies believe in the young hitting that they have coming up along the way, you got to reinforce the pitching the same way the Blue Jays did. So. That's the that's the line of thought with it all. Yeah, and I believe that if you want to really have a good time uh, and, and and you're looking for a little alcoholic kick, you got to do it with Breck Brew Broncos Country High Wire Hops from the North Fork Valley, Colorado ingredients made in Colorado and done so with 100% renewable energy. It's Breck Brew Broncos Country. Check out the beer locator at breckbrew.com to find a Breck Brew near you. And if you've been hurt and and maybe you've got a shoulder impingement, look, that's a work-related injury for a pitcher. I don't think you're going to Bacchus and Shanker for that. But if it's something out of the ordinary, give them a call at 222-2222 because no matter where you're at in Colorado, you place that phone call, it's absolutely free to consult with them. They might even take your case. They might even work on it. And when they do, it's actually and absolutely for free. They've won their clients uh, billions of dollars, over $1 billion with their 100 folks on staff, 30 lawyers. They're great. They've got neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Call them at 222-2222. Find out if you got a case for free because Bacchus and Shanker, they win. They do. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez, three years, $30 million with Atlanta. Oh, gosh. Is he a rotation guy? Is he a bullpen guy? Odd, but Atlanta knows what they want. They get yes. the, they make the Aaron Bummer trade, uh, the aforementioned Kyle Wright deal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they, they acquire Jackson Coar. For another uh, injured arm, there, right? I mean, it was kind of a swap. Uh, it was a challenge deal. It yeah. felt like a little yeah. bit, and so, but you know, Jackson was never really able to come into form. It was supposed to be him and Brady Singer. They were both kind of those first round picks. Yeah, I think they were both Florida guys as well. I believe so. Yeah. Um, so that was supposed to be kind of the start of things for Kansas City, and you know, Coer never really came around. So I, I dig it. Challenge deal for that. Yeah, and Lopez, I think he's going to get like $4 million the first year and then two eleven. So yeah, I, I guess that first year they're just going to be tinkering around with them. And then, all right, we're 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 going to pay you yeah, after that. So it works as like a long man and a spot starter. Yeah. You know, maybe the Jesse Chavez role or something like that. But, hey, Atlanta, you can't argue with the results, at least until you get to the postseason of late. But sure. they know what they're doing, so you give them the benefit of the doubt. We talked about Matt Holiday being on the Hall of Fame ballot. He uh, was named the, the Cardinals bench coach this time mm-hmm. last year before – you know, having to step away for for some family matters. You know, obviously, probably trying to keep an eye on uh, his son Jackson Holiday a little bit uh, as as he made his way through the minors. But another former Rocky added to the Cardinals coaching staff, new bench coach Daniel Descalso. Mm-hmm. Are are you gonna are you gonna take the over or under? Are you gonna say yay or nay to Dexter Fowler being named the first base coach in 2025 for the Cardinals? I'm gonna yes? say nay. No. Uh, yeah, I'm saying nay for not Dexy. Right no, I think Dex- base running coach, first base coach. Listen, I, I'm Come seeing on. Dex's smile and I'm seeing TV all oh. the time. And he was doing okay. Cubs uh, this past year. That's true. That is true. You know, Dex Dex has got a TV career. Yep. Yep. Uh, who was it that was just actually named over to the Angel staff? Well, uh, oh, Eric Young Sr.? No, there was another one who actually took over as a first base coach, I think. Ryan Goings? No, it was after we talked about it last time. Oh, okay. Not trying to derail you here. You're good. Do we uh, we have graphics for the free agent frenzy there, uh, Kale? I don't know if you're here. Uh, may have may have sent those over because we got two guys that we wanna we wanna talk about here in a second. You know, we were we were texting uh, Kenneth, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the past weekend uh, as as we like to do to 
prepare and make sure we have something to talk about rather than just shooting from the hip and just trying to eat up time. You say uh, that, but yeah, that's I hate exactly that. what we're doing. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is eating up time. I mean, we're, we're talking seconds here, not, not <laughs> minutes or an entire podcast. You're good. Um, but there's so many guys coming over from Japan, not the, talking about the uh, Yamamoto and the Shota Imanaga guys, but American players who are going to Japan and South Korea, mm-hmm. working on a couple things for a year or more, and then coming back to America and finding a lot of success. Merrill Kelly is uh, obviously one of those guys. Eric Fetty, going into his age 21 season, had an even two ERA with my NC Dinos, KBO. <laughs> that was the, my team. They won the championship there in 2020. Uh, Adam Plutko is another one of those guys, age 32. 49 starts, had a 2.40 ERA over the last two years, also in the KBO. J.B. Wendelkin went over there last year, mm-hmm. had a really good season out of the bullpen. Kyle Keller, a name that I was not familiar with, uh, despite you know uh, cups of coffee for, for three years with Miami, the Angels, uh, and the Pirates between 2019 and 2021. 583 ERA in the majors, you know, good minor league numbers, but goes over to Japan and with the Hanshin Tigers, a 259 ERA. So uh, there, there's a there's a lot of those guys. Nick Martinez was one of them. Scott mm-hmm. McGuff, who before he got injured and before he had a rough time in July, was really good for the Diamondbacks. 2.94 ERA with the Tokyo Yokult Swallows for four years. That was after he was with the Albuquerque Isotopes. Yep. That was where he's like, man, I got to get out of this country here. Uh, but a two seven four ERA for the first three months of this year mm-hmm. before uh, falling on some hard times in July. This is interesting. This is an interesting route for some of these guys to go off, get guaranteed money, because that's the biggest part. If you're getting shuttled back and forth from AAA to the majors, you, you don't have control over that. Yep. You're not getting paid. Well, you know what? You can go and have a little peace of mind. Uh, go to, again... Japan or South Korea. The ADO, yep. There's also Taiwan as well. That's definitely third on that pecking order. Sure. We're not seeing as many guys transition back to the States uh, who go play for the CPBL. But this is an interesting new route, new option. And I'm I'm almost wondering, I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I wouldn't almost say because there's less minor league teams, but that really has nothing to do with it because we have the same amount of AAA clubs. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to kind of pinpoint why that is? Or you know, maybe the Japanese and South Korean teams are getting better with kind of helping guys maybe make an adjustment that, uh, you know, that kind of support that they weren't getting here with uh, with their MLB club. No, I agree with that completely. And it's not outside of, it's not uncommon for basically a player to request his release through that minor league ranks because there's been good scouting from a Japanese or South Korean team. And then they make that decision um, to go over seas, even mid-season. Like it's, right. it's not really um, that uncommon. I think the level of competition, and I think more importantly, um, the cultural differences and coaching differences right. that exist in those leagues attribute a lot of success to these players. Because yeah. what wasn't clicking here, what wasn't getting outs or getting swings and misses is something that they can kind of reinvent themselves overseas while still facing kind of that 4A competition. I mean, that's kind of where it's been universally agreed um, that the KBO and the NPB is at. Um it's got more and more common and is something that I think a lot of players talk amongst themselves about too, their experience overseas. If you ever talk to Ryan Spielborgs or ever hear on his broadcast, him talking about his time in Japan, he absolutely loved it. Yeah, he absolutely did. adored he it, did. had the greatest things to say. And so one, it's still a good level of baseball. Two, it's kind of a culture shock that as long as you're willing to accept that and do it, some guys really embrace it the way that Spilly did. But then three, it's just a new perspective that I think a lot of guys are able to garner. And I think it works a lot more for the pitching side than the hitting, but it's not 
that it hasn't happened on the hitting side too. Eric, uh, Eric Thames is one of the most, yeah. uh, you know, big, yeah, up. came over, did, did a great job. Yeah. Um, and yeah, not Japan, but South Korea, which is mm-hmm. more of, of a double A or maybe between double A and triple A, whereas yeah. you got Japan as triple A, quadruple A. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's still a serious level of competition. We talked about great with prospects. the Brewers there for a minute. Yeah. And he also turned into the Incredible Hulk. So that <laughs> didn't hurt either. Yeah. Um, but that that's just the thing, though, is, you know, you listen to Eric Thames talk about his time overseas and he learned how to hit. He learned how to be a better player where he wasn't necessarily getting that feedback or was too busy grinding to try to get back to the majors. Um, so it's one where you got that guaranteed money, you have the roster spot, you're playing serious competition, but you're also able to develop and become a better player. So you can get back to the game's highest level. I think that that's the perspective that a lot of guys carry when they go overseas. And that's where they translate and become better big leaguers because of it. Merrill Kelly is obviously the primo example of it right now, but it's going to be there every single year with guys. It's consistency, like as, as as you're kind of pointing out, right? Mm-hmm. That you, you don't have to worry about going back and forth, and uh, that's obviously going to going to mess you up in your your own kind of projection and being the best player of yourself. Um, two guys we want to talk about for the free agent frenzy: Jack Flaherty and Brad Keller, both 28 year old starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. One's a name that you probably know a lot better. You know, Jack Flaherty came on the scene, was was really good his first two, three years, had some postseason experience there. Seemed like he was going to be a, a big ticket guy going forward. Another one, Brad Keller, kind of pitching unceremoniously there in, in Kansas City, right? Um, and they're, they've almost passed each other, maybe in value a little bit. Um, but as we were talking about before with a guy like Alec Manoa, you can still project Jack Flaherty as being that major upside guy because uh, he's still only entering his age uh, 28 season or, or he just pitched his, his age 28 season um three seven five career era you know the last three of his last four years era is north of of four and has only made 15 starts once in the last four years so he's a guy that i think other teams would want to take a chance on mm-hmm. whereas with a with a brad keller you know he might be more likely to be available and be better for the Rockies market because he's a guy that's been a little more consistent with his with his uh, innings pitched. You know, missed a lot of time in twenty twenty three with a right shoulder impingement, so health is slightly a question. But pitching in Kansas City, obviously, you know right. he's not a big ticket guy to uh, to be a decent fit and give the Rockies some innings for the rotation. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's a bit of a brand name that goes on with Jack Flaherty that I think yeah. is always going to be keeping him in a class higher than the Rockies. Sure. Uh, but it's still not a bad pitcher. It's just somebody that has kind of taken a dip in velocity and never is going to be quite that 2018 or 2019 guy. And the Cardinals were really, you know, banking on that to be the dude um, throughout his career and be that future ace. But if you're talking about Jack Flaherty as a number two or a number three, that's definitely a a cap that fits for him. Yeah. But a lot of teams will be looking at him the same way. For the Rockies, that would be a much more stable presence in the rotation than a lot of what they have to offer. Um, when you go to the store brand side, that's kind of more where Brad Keller exists, honestly. Yeah. And he's not a bad pitcher. You know, it, it's been rough for Kansas City. Can we call him years. Brad Kirkland? Is that, <laughs> you like that? Are you good? Brad, great value. Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> Great value, Kirkland. That's <laughs> not a great nickname, but at the same time, hey, man. Hey, man, if they ever bring done. back the players' uniforms, you can just slap that on the back right above his number. <laughs> I don't um, know that would be his choice necessarily. <laughs> it's it's kind of ours. But, yeah, I could I could see Keller as being, not again, not necessarily the better fit, but the fit that, you know, you wake up one morning and you go, oh, who did the, who mm-hmm. did the Rockies sign? You're probably... More than nine out of ten, ninety-five out of a hundred times, it's probably going to be a Brad Keller versus yeah, Jack Flaherty. Yeah, and it's not—it's not one that's like sexy necessarily. 
but it Kirkland's is... Kirkland's sexy. What? <laughs> <laughs> Kale, um, Kirkland, uh, Costco, sexy? <laughs> the sexiest. <laughs> <laughs> They're not a sponsor. You know what? One nice thing about it, though, that does make a little bit more sense, Jack Flaherty's a lot more of a fly ball pitcher. You were able to survive that when you were out in St. Louis, and to a degree with that left field wall yep. in Baltimore. It's not to say it went very well with Baltimore, but... Right, um, right. Keller's in that 95 percentile on ground balls, and he does kind of miss barrels pretty well, too. He's pretty high up on that um, barrel percentage and hard hit percentage um, when it comes to avoiding hard damage. So, you know, that's what the Rockies lean into. But at the end of the day, if you're a fly ball pitcher that's kind of throwing a little bit softer, this is where it can be worrisome where somebody like Cal Quantrill, um, you kind of get punished for mistakes a little bit in Coors Field. Keller has a skill set that would actually be able to, you know, be successful or you could see being successful in Colorado. So it makes sense on a couple of different pages. I think if the Rockies had it their way, they would go with BK. Yeah. Right? Have it your way? All right, Jeff Passan, uh talking <laughs> about... holding on to that for a while. We've got... It's too long. Far too long. <laughs> yes. Uh, we got there, though. Yeah, new rules for 2024. Potentially a lot of proposals going out there. They might tighten up the pitch clock instead of 20 seconds with runners on base. They might go down to just 18. Mound visits could also reduce from five... To four, I kind of floated the idea last offseason that I wonder if teams were going to start using more mound visits mm -hmm. as a way to kind of circumvent the the pitch clock just a little bit. Uh, I, I think I did read that, you know, mound visits did go up slightly, but teams weren't necessarily using it for that. There has been some other circumventions uh, as far as like the proposals go, like a guy will warm up to start an inning and then you see the, uh, you see mm -hmm. the manager go out. That only happened like 23 times. And I'd be curious to know what teams did it the most. Only Dodgers. We're looking at you. Well, yeah, I, mean, yeah. That, I would have guessed it was more, but still, that was something like, you know what? Actually, let's let's see if we can do that. So there could be a rule of if you warm up, unless you've been injured, you got to face at least one hitter. Uh, you know, there was also uh, some discuss about working exclusively from the stretch with a runner on base because there's some guys that have that like mm -hmm. hybrid windup, and you don't know. If a guy's again going in the windup, or if he's pitching from the stretch, so I think that's something that could increase in uh, you know stolen bases and and gets guys you know getting a better secondary lead just a little bit. They want to uh, reset to two minutes rather than two minutes fifteen seconds when a pitcher steps on the warning track. Yep. So now guys are really going to have to start busting it out of the bullpen. Heath Bell, yeah, was it the last <laughs> yeah, guy? The dead sprint, and he even slid right into it in the All Star game. Who was the Phillies pitcher that did it and JT Ramuto looked out and just oh, kind of rolled his eyes? I do remember that. His name is eluding me right now, but that is a terrific baseball gift. I mean, uh, yeah. He just retired uh, last year, too. Yeah, he wasn't with the Phillies very long. And, <sighs> but that guy was a trendsetter. Yeah. I really I really think so. Uh, pitchers no longer uh, could be permitted to delay the start of the clock by walking around the edge of the mound Jared when a ball is out of play. And he was a lefty. Yes. And uh, there's been some talk about maybe widening the lane. Uh, down to first base so mm -hmm. that it's the same amount of dirt uh, on the right, so like in foul territory from the, the first baseline. Yeah. So giving guys a wider lane. Guys, uh, you see a lot of middle infielders dropping that knee down mm -hmm. to block the bag. And you go, oh, yeah, why don't more guys do it? A, you're going to get spiked. And B, you're not actually supposed to be doing it. Yes. It, it, 
if it happens naturally in the process of you trying to catch a ball, mm-hmm. and so they might look at that, uh, they might go to replay on that. Again, if the umpire deems the fielder is in the act of trying to you know, feel the throw, they might tweak that just a little bit as well. It makes sense to kind of carry over the same uh, Buster Posey rule at second base a little bit yeah. of, of giving the lane in there. Um, I will say, and this is baseball as a whole, not just Major League Baseball, they really need to figure out the runner's lane already when it comes to first base especially. You see that ball yeah. up the line, and then for whatever reason, if they try to be within a foot, but they're anywhere near the grass, I feel like this call gets wrong all the time where there's just that one little thing where they're saying they're running inside the baseline, they're no longer there. First of all, the runner's lane in in baseball, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I mean, you have the line going to first base, but then you have that little box in between the first base coaching box and the actual fair or foul territory line. It's half dirt, half grass. Yeah, but it. so the whole thing is there's no lead to the bag with that. Technically speaking, the runner's lane is supposed to be where the base runner goes to avoid getting hit by the ball right there. Are we going to have a double base like in softball? Honestly, if you're going to set up the not? runner's lane like that, why, why don't not? you actually give him a target to go for? It's it's a stupid thing that you only see it once every couple of months in baseball. But then somebody yeah. blows their lid on it because what else are they supposed to do other than run up the lane like you're taught every single time? Somebody, you know, a pitcher plunks them with the ball after they feel the bunt and they get called out for no reason. Baseball as a whole needs to figure that out. Because right now it's just getting a little silly. They're working on it. We'll see if we'll get some new rules for uh, for 2024, and we'll we'll see if you want to you know engage on this even more on uh, on social media. Kw1988 uh, on it. Twitter. Uh, a lot of really great content over there at Purple Row each and every Monday. Monday's your day, huh? Monday's my day, and uh, the Arizona Fall League just finished up, so the Pebble Report is done for the Ooh. year. But then we're going to be getting back to it when the minor league season rolls around too. Yeah, make sure you're supporting them as well at DNVR underscore Rockies is where we're at at Patrick D. Lyons for me, and at Kale underscore Sorbo. Just Kale Sorbo, but Kale got with two it. L's. Just Kale Sorbo. Two L's, yes. Oh, but if you go to Kale Sorbo 5, just do it and trust me. It's crazy <laughs> over there. Appreciate you uh, giving us this momentum. Even crazier is the fact that Susie will be back tomorrow on Wednesday. We'll do it again on Black Friday yeah, as yeah. well. And that momentum is only as good as the next show, so it's going to be a banger tomorrow. Make sure you stay tuned live at the DNVR Sports Channel right here on YouTube. Y'all silly like the mayor. 